Good morning, Mashi. Good evening, Dennis. How's it going? I have a quote here today from a book that we talked about before. Mm. It's a little bit divisive, the book, um, and it is uh, Blink, the Malcolm Gladwell book. Ah, okay, I haven't read that. It's I should probably give it a, another read. I think I read it in about 08, 09. So it's probably it's not, not probably... far off when it came out. Yeah, I love yeah. it, but it, it it he does get accused of a lot of like pop science, pseudoscience stuff, and that's that's true. He takes like some findings he likes and then wraps them in some anecdotes and makes it presentable. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not value to be had in it. Oh, I agree. Um, but one of the quotes, and it's a bit it's a little lengthier than a usual quote. It's not super snappy, but I think it's very very true from that book is we have, as human beings, a storytelling problem. We are a bit too quick to come up with explanations for things we don't really have an explanation for. How pithy is it given the introduction you just gave on the book? Yeah, the, the, well, the book's actually relatively pithy. Now, that that line is not that pithy. <laughs> but in general, like, you know, he's accused of pop science and just kind of finding it and then constructing a story around it. And, then, and here's the quote from the book. <laughs> it's it a big word. Exactly. Yeah. And we, you and I have talked a lot about the stories we tell ourselves and how they repeating them to them to ourselves ingrains them in our in, in into into our minds, especially especially critical ones about ourselves as individuals. But yeah. humans are excellent at building narratives and pattern recognition, specifically. It's you know what lets you spot a tiger from the brush, and what lets you identify what kind of berries your buddy ate and got sick, and what kind of berries you can't eat and you don't get sick, etc. But we can't really control turning that off. So when something happens to us or we observe something that we can't explain or we don't understand, our brain starts to progressively lower the bar for how plausible those explanations need to be. And so for you to be able to throw a blanket over something you can't you can't really get your head around. Yeah, I think story, I mean, fundamentally, I do think it's part of our our DNA of, of mm-hmm. what we are as people to tell stories, to know stories, to understand stories. Um, you know. Aesop's fable is a good example of the lessons we learn through storytelling, and they 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 persevere even today. Um, one of my favorite things uh, I, that I read in college and that I oft go back to is the Odyssey, and that thing is thousands of years old, and it's a story. Um, and there's something very very central to the human experience when it comes to storytelling. Um, whether it's Shakespeare, who now it's like every, it feels like every movie you see is like, ah, that's just another version of something that Shakespeare did, which is another version of something, some, something he heard or some oral tradition or something somewhere, right? There's ain't nothing new under the sun. What's really, really important, um, or what speaks to me anyway with this quote, is where we see a completely different set of stories that have commonalities as well. And, and those are like very famous religious texts, you know, the Bible, the Quran, the Torah. There are very similar stories, very, very similar explanations for, you know, not one-to-one, okay? And I'm not an expert on this area, but uh, in terms of creation, in terms of the human experience, in terms of the lessons we should live our life by. Humans presented with something they can't grok or understand, try to in vain and come up with, in many cases, very, very similar conclusions. How incredible is that that we come up with similar conclusions though? You know, that's what really, really very much like blows my mind. And that's where I think it's like, you know, you're telling a story, but really, it's a mirror. You're holding up a mirror of the human experience. And these stories we tell, and I think um, where, where Gladwell, you know, Gladwell's bringing up a point. I don't know that he, there's kind of like a negative value judgment on it, I would say a little bit, like, um, sure. you know, how we're telling the story. But, you know, we, we do need to tell ourselves these stories because I think, well, I don't know if we need to. Uh, 
let me let me backtrack a bit there. We tell ourselves these stories in an attempt to take control of a situation to better understand it. Because through understanding something, we feel that we have control over it. Even if it's the bullet coming right towards us that we can't stop, that's going to end us, we understand it. And there's a measure of control and understanding, right? Fear, the unknown, these are things that are massively uncontrollable to us. And that's why we're afraid of that. We don't have a story or a narrative to wrap ourselves in it, right? And that's where we have things like- also a cause and effect, right? You're like, if, you, if something happens to you or something, you observe something, you're trying to figure out, you're like, okay, this happened, why? And you will, your brain, and this is true in your personal life, but also in, like, in a personal relationship, like somebody broke up with me, why? What happened? What did I do wrong? You start instantly racking, trying to find a cause for the effect that happened. And the same is true in business. You're like, okay, numbers are down this month. Why? There has to be something. There has to be something in this Excel sheet that tells this story. And the answers aren't always there. It's I don't think it's too, I think it's very, very rare that they're unknowable, but I think it's very often, more often than we admit that they're unfindable, right? And we approximate something close enough and go, oh, that must've been it hundred percent for sure. Yeah. And, and when, I mean, you get, you, you brought up two different examples and the, you know, the business one is you have a spreadsheet, you have all these data points. And very often when we talk about business, there's, all this data that we have access to, particularly today, it's it's pretty staggering. And so I think, you know, for marketing and for business purposes, we kind of adopt a herd mentality where we say, okay, wh- which way is the herd going? And how do we anticipate that? And where do we move for it? And so often, as you know, and as most people listening to this know, it's not about enough data. It's about how do we interpret the data? What's the data really telling us? And we saw this, you know, in, in American professional sports, and I don't know how much this has um, percolated to to the EU or across the ponds at all, you know, sabermetrics and the rise of, you know, Moneyball changed completely how we look at the data points in sports specifically. It started with baseball and now it's in football. It's everywhere, right? We look at all these metrics differently now, all the points of information, same information, we look at it all totally differently now um, to, to much more effect, you know. But when we talk about the personal one, and, and that, by the way, is an example of you're reading the same story, but getting a different lesson. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of those, those data points are, are instrumental in telling you the story isn't the, what you think it is. The narrative isn't the narrative. Like you used to have in baseball, what we call a five-tool player. That doesn't mean anything. Now we have saber metrics. Now we have all this other stuff about on-base percentage and how to, you know, so uh, on-base percentage is always a thing, but it's, it's different than being a five-tool player in baseball. Um, personally, it's so different. And I will tell you why in one sentence. And this this makes no sense. Personally, though, remember this. When you're constructing that story and making sense of everything happening around you, and this is the hardest part, and I'm not good at this, so I don't want to be like, hey, I get it. it's not personal. It's not personal. Well, we mentioned this All before. The things if, you try, if you're struggling with a problem and you're trying to like figure out what happened, what went wrong, or what you can do going forward... Try to imagine a friend coming to you asking for advice on that problem. And it's yeah. and even that's difficult, right? But it's you you can't approach any problems you have objectively. You should try to, I suppose, but you're carrying so much baggage in yourself. All of your own problems are viewed through your own lens, all the pro- times you've been hurt before, the mistakes you've made. And it is very, very, very difficult to try to get a clear picture through all that stuff. Um, and- so not only are you hanging a blanket over something that you might not necessarily have a good grasp on it's a blanket you knitted based on a bunch of other things you hung blankets on in the past and above and beyond all of that we and i think this is probably uh very very healthy because i think that we need this for our sanity 
Um, we so, so massively as people overestimate our importance in any given situation. Yes. We think we are the cause and the nexus of everything. Why did she leave? Why did he say that? What, what did I do that made her leave? What did I do that made him say that? You know, what did I do that caused that situation? It's not personal. It wasn't you. I mean, sometimes it is. Don't get me wrong. Sure, fine. But, but even on a simple, even on a simple example, if you get like ketchup on your shirt or you get like toothpaste on it in the morning, whatever, before you leave, you don't notice until you're on the train. You're like, Damn it, everybody in the office is going to look at me and be like, oh my God, that dude mm. hasn't got stuff together. But then think about it for even a second. How often do you look at somebody on a daily basis and go, coffee stain, idiot. They don't have it together at all. Yeah. The answer is basically never. And it's not, and, it's, it's because nobody's paying attention to you nearly as much as you're paying attention to yourself. And it's that classic thing where people are like, oh yeah, man, I uh, got some toothpaste on my, try to call it out early. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I, I guess. Didn't even sure. see that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so and I think we've all been there where it's like, oh crap, I did this. I'm just going to make a joke out of it. It's like, nobody, nobody Get knows. Get ahead of the narrative. Like you're right. a, like you're Let a me politician. Let me take control of this toothpaste narrative right now. Um, but it, it is, and this is where I think stoic philosophy, which I've been spending a lot more time with, you know, this year specifically is really important. Um, controlling yourself, it really is controlling so much of the world around you because not because not because, you know, when you control yourself, you control everything external to you. It's because you start to realize how much of that intrusive narrative and how you're piecing together everything in the world around you and the story you're telling we always want to be the hero and the main character. And the truth is we are, we are in our own story, but guess what? We're not as active a participant in the, in the world around us as we think we are. And that, that sounds like that isn't to make anyone feel diminished or small or anything. It's a good thing. Because right. You're trying to shed some responsibility. Happen. Right? Exactly. Uh, and that, that's really the hardest part. Um, and I, we're always going to tell stories coming back to the Gladwell quote, you know, um, there, there's a doctor who quote, <laughs> There's a doctor who quite, I think, it was, I think it was during the end of the Matt Smith run um, where he says, in the end, we're all just stories. Just make sure it's a good one. And I think that that's what are you what... going to do, by the way, you're going to run out of quotes with this writer's strike. Like eventually you're going to, it's going to become a problem. Uh, you know, doctor who premiered in November of 1963. You got a rich we backlog. Got a, I understand. We got a long <laughs> runway here, buddy. We got a long runway, baby. Um, so it's, it's really about, finding the narratives that really do matter because we construct stories and love stories are the best ones, right? Love stories are the best ones, but we construct in the healthy relationships. We construct these great stories about how we feel and how the other person feels, but then we get afraid because all we really know is how we feel. And does, does she really feel that way? Or is he really thinking that? Uh, and it's hard to, you know, and you know what, you know what the thing is they're, they're in the same position. Like always remember that, you know, we all think we're such unique flowers and how we experience that life is so unique to us. And there are points of uniqueness, but going back to what we said earlier in this episode, these common human narratives, they're common and human for a reason because we're all human and we have a lot in common. And don't forget that when we're putting these stories together and remember, I mean, if there's one thing I can say, it's not personal. That server who's giving you bad service, that person, that barista mm -hmm. who is rude to you, you know, that person cutting you off on the street, it's not It's not personal. because you had toothpaste on your shirt. <laughs> Right. They had a bad day. You know, their dog is sick. Mom yelled at them for no good reason. We don't know what's going on. And it ain't about you. It's not about what you did or how you came off or what you did today. 
and the real thing getting back to the to the, to the opening is that this human drive to like understand everything you would expect that it gives you a, a clearer picture on the things you observe but when some things like like in the examples you gave have nothing to do with you or are just like a product of variance and you got unlucky in something it doesn't necessarily have to do anything with else trying to understand it obfuscates it further it does not make it clearer i think it is very and it's difficult to do to accept that some things are unknowable some things aren't fair and that's that's okay. That's the way things are. And we're very, very quick to try and pick away and explain the negative ones and assume the positive ones. Just okay. Well, I, I had a, I had a good, I had a good run coming. You know, you know, I was yeah. owed that one, or, yeah. or you know what, I do deserve that. I am pretty smart. I am pretty good at my job. I, you know, I did do this thing well. Um, accept unknowables as unknowables. Don't try to understand everything because I think more often than not, if if, if it doesn't come to you quickly, you're probably going to get in the way of yourself. I think two two things. One thing that you said that I think is so important. Because we are, we are going to tell these stories. It's inevitable. Okay, we tell yeah. these stories. It's inevitable. Life isn't fair. And that doesn't say life is unfair. It's just that life isn't fair, you know? Um, and and one of the ways we try to bounce ourselves out when we're telling these stories and these narratives in our mind is we try to make things fair. We try to make sense of it in a fair way because that's kind of like, there's this, there's this again, humanistic pull toward, towards fairness. We want things to be fair. We want things to balance. We want things to be good. That's not how the universe works, right? Uh, that's part one. And then, you know, part two is, because we're telling these stories, you can tell yourself a better story. It can be a better narrative. They can, they, someone can just have had a bad day. And maybe instead of taking it personally, maybe instead of being aggressive or short or curt because of the way you're being treated, you just answer it with kindness. Kindness is all, it has always been and continues to be the greatest cheat code to life. Be nice, be kind, smile. Someone's being rude to you. Someone's having a bad day. That barista cuts you off. Just smile. It's okay. Throw a tip in the tip jar and 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 let it let it just percolate that way. Let that be the narrative. Let that be the story. And that's how I that really is. How I think, oh man, they must be having a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, throw a tip in the tip jar. Maybe this will turn things around. And um I've I've had it happen. I've had people, I've had people say, man, it's it was a really rough day. I mean, we we were uh, at the Cosmo, we were in Vegas. We went to a juice bar, and Claire has one of the greatest smiles. I mean, she just has a smile that lights things up. And the lady at the juice bar was like, are you guys ready? And she looks up, she's a huge smile, not yet. Um, and we were looking at the menu, we go to order and she, this lady just starts throwing all this, free, we're just you know talking to her a bit. She starts just throwing all this free stuff. And she goes, I was having such a bad day. And you guys have two of the best smiles I've seen. And I know the day is going to turn around. And I mean, like, that's an extreme example. I get it, but it can happen. Go do that. Go be the other side. If you want that, if you want to tell yourself a story, really be the good Go out there and be the hero. Change someone's day. Smile. Make it a happy narrative. And I think that's the, that's the power of this narrative storytelling in our minds is we do control the story. 